Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. AFC North, we get to talk some Ravens, we get to talk some Bengals, uh, and honestly, the way that we started out, I feel like for the Steelers and Browns has just kind of continued to build in my enthusiasm for really all of these teams. Like all four yes. of these teams are good. And honestly, like we'll get to it when we see the Ravens schedule and then we'll put an exclamation point on it when we get to the Bengal schedule. But I think three of these teams are going to the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's tricky. And it's funny, too. Like, you know, oh, how can you like all four teams? Well, I do. So I'm sorry if you don't <laughs> pick, pick a couple you don't well, like. Such is life. And it's funny, too. Somebody put out a, you know, a full season estimate prognostication of every team's record and all the standings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those things to put out there and get a bunch of engagement. It, it worked. You know, I, I don't hate people being like, oh, I think the Bears are a lot better than that, or I don't think the Bengals are that good. But one guy's comment I've not been able to get out of my head for like two days. In these records, it had the Vikings pack, like three of the teams in the NFC North uh, tied at 7-10. and 10. And he just, he's like basically saying like, well, that couldn't even happen. Like the three teams, and then they use like online air quotes are tied at seven and ten. And like I'm like, I'm sure this is it happened last year. The there NFC. were three seven and ten teams in the yeah, NFC South last year. In the NFC yeah. South, I was so mad at like just incredulous that somebody, like the math, the math certainly the math. can't work out on that. But no, it's a uh, it, it is a I'm kind of same with you there. There is a little yeah. bit of a downer here and. I think this is the first time we've recorded something after big news because not like Elvin Kamara is shifting the the entire NFL market, but we recorded that one eight hours before he decided to finalize the suspension. We were close. We said four it ended up being a weird number three, but and, uh, we'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to the major injury in this division in the second half of this. We'll start with the Ravens and, yeah. It is one of those where I didn't spend a ton of time on 2022. Not only because of the major injury to the quarterback, but everything. You couldn't get to any part of like what went wrong offensively or just as a whole without f- just stumbling completely back to no wide receivers. Like mm-hmm. ev- everything kind of led to that one path. And the fact that we've gone and changed offensive coordinators and brought in a bunch of, you know, a bunch of pieces to add to that wide receiver room, it makes it hard to use a lot of, to, to you know, make 22 very useful, I guess. We know we're going to see quite a bit of changes as far as what uh, what the offense will look like based on the OC and the, uh, you know, the, the personnel changes, but. Hopefully the the thing that remains the same is that there's a lot of liveliness in the quarterback, and and I don't think that's just something that goes away. A lot of that had to do with scheme, personnel, and situation and injury. Like I guess that's my my main the main driver in this whole thing is like we think Lamar can, you know, maybe the the season and he could put up those exact same numbers, not win MVP. Because uh, we've seen him do it. There's so many other good quarterbacks. He might end up third in the voting if he puts up the same year. But like we're, we're sure he's capable of doing that again, correct? 
You're talking about his 2019 season? Yeah. That was the best single season by any player in the NFL in history. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, that, if he does that again, he's getting MVP. I sure, that was like you. four years ago. It wasn't that good anymore. <laughs> like, Mahomes is putting up 6,000 this year. Yeah, 17 I, games guy. Dude, let's go look back at it. <laughs> I had, know, it was good. He had uh, he only had 31,000 yards passing, 36 touchdowns. 30, yeah, 3,100, excuse me. 3,100 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, six picks. Um, Just not that many passing yards. He ran. For, <laughs> I know, uh, that, that, he, was, that was the real And then he ran story. for uh, he ran for 1,200 yards. This might have been, the, was this the first season that any quarterback broke 1,000? I think it might have been. Uh, an absolutely insane 6.9 yards per attempt on the ground and seven touchdowns. I, can you imagine if the guy with who gets who's to snap the ball every time can average seven yards a carry on the ground on top of anything possible, uh, you know, through the air? Um, that was a special season. The win loss, even just you know, yeah, exclamation I mean, sure. point on it. The way they got better and better and better, and like that. You remember, like they beat the Rams like fifty-two to seven back when the Rams were a good competitive team, and they just sure. absolutely embarrassed them. Um, that was a that was a cool team. Jalen yeah. Hurts went like thirty-five with seven hundred and fifty rushing. He had like yeah. thirteen rushing touchdowns. I mean, it just it, it's not. To, it's not as eye popping as it once was because we've had it a couple times now. I agree, yeah. it was not the, the thirty six <laughs> six is the is the most stunning part of that Sheesh. whole thing. Like yeah. Just not not having more rushing touchdowns throughout the the entirety of the team was something, and the scores they're putting up. But back to it. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. Think so, we, we we think we can get back to that level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If that, it's we're not far enough removed from MVP with a bullet Lamar that that is not a brain, the range of outcomes this year for sure. And I guess we, you know, to start off the pod, let's do a little, little, little Lamar, you know, soliloquy here. Um, I guess I don't want to only talk about him. We'll just do a little Lamar duo log. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, the arc of his first five years with the Ravens was really wild. Um, they, trade back into the first round to draft him last pick mm-hmm. in the first round. They had previously taken uh, a tight end who's no longer with the team. I think Hayden Hurst was their first pick in that draft. And then they traded back in to get Lamar Jackson. This was what everybody was like, you know, you know, geeking on themselves about the old oh, Ravens are so smart. They got the fifth year option by trading back in the first round. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Lamar's contemporary. And, and remember yeah, uh, even a couple you know, several months before that, I mean, we're at a point where a lot of franchises and a lot of leadership groups in those franchises didn't even believe he was a quarterback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were oh, basically yeah. draft nicks and talking heads. Oh, yeah. He basically didn't run the 40 yard dash at the combine because he didn't want to. Like, basically, I'm going to do too good and somebody's going to draft me and try to turn me into a wide receiver. Yeah. You're right. Incredibly fast. So, and yeah, it was Ozzy's last first round pick before. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, I, I thought he deserved more sincere consideration for rookie of the year, his rookie year, because he came into a very mediocre Ravens team and took over. Off the top of my head, he won every game but one down the stretch, single-handedly kind of pulled that Ravens squad at, into AFC North championship uh, you know, uh, status, uh, got them a playoff game, and... 
the Chargers, but just utterly blanked them in the playoffs. And it was like, okay, whatever. Guy's a rookie. He did something awesome. Like, very excited to see what comes next. The next year in the preseason, they had specific packages installed. They were getting him warmed up in the like week two, week three of the preseason, as the Ravens want to do. If you didn't already know, the Ravens try very hard in the preseason, haven't lost since like 2015. If you're this is the first time you're hearing this, then you're not listening to any NFL content because I've heard this an awful lot of the time. Um, but, uh, just the just the uh, kind of highlight real stuff you saw in the preseason was like, oh shit, here we go. Like this is has the potential to be something very different than we've seen from quarterback play since you know the likes of Michael Vick. Um, and you know at the time, like the quarterback archetype was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, and this guy was doing stuff that you couldn't even believe with the uh, with the football in his hands. In in addition to passing, so um, that was exciting. I remember he was fifty to one to an MVP uh, in the offseason that year, um, and uh, boy did he deliver every which way possible, right out of the gate, lit the league on fire. And, uh, you know, carried that through to uh, a one seed. And Do you remember that first game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like, it was yeah. just like was how it, we were. It was against were, the miserable, were you out in Vegas? Right? It was against the miserable Dolphins, I think. Yeah, I was. I was. It was It was at the Superbook. Somebody like, prop oh swap bought the MVP. Uh, my boss, Reed. Reed. Reed like, that's, the last, that's the last bet he's won. Right. Because <laughs> he was, he was just gonna be like, he was gonna like reprop swap it and sell it. But halfway through the season, it's like, oh fuck, this this kid can win. And yeah, he got like thirty eight to one or something on a, a prop swap ticket he bought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ended up cashing, cashing in big. But yeah, that that was a uh, that yeah. was an absolute bloodbath. Like that game just kept getting worse for the other team. That yeah, was it. Was the Dolphins? It was the shitty, shitty Dolphins? Um, so. He had perfect symmetry, you know, synergy with uh, Greg Roman, what they were trying to do. Um, they didn't have great receivers, but it didn't matter. Uh, he absolutely was vibing with uh, Mark Andrews. The running attack that supplemented what he was doing on the ground was solid. Um, the offensive line had a couple of – they had one future Hall of Famer, Marshall Yonda, and a guy who was playing at an all-pro level and, and Ronnie Stanley. So they were a very clear top-five unit. The protection was sick. Um, and they – absolutely no showed again in the playoffs against the Titans in a way that had a lot of the doubters, all the people that just couldn't wait to get their Lamar's overrated takes off their chest just came out of the woodwork. And like from that moment forward, I've been a little bit of a Lamar defender and I, f- I felt like I positioned myself on yeah, the wall I wanted defending to give him. the Titans a lot of credit for that win. Like they put together a, just a yeah. masterful, masterful game plan plan. Yeah. And they, they, they made him try to throw against a, a you know a defense that was kind of yeah made him throw into specific parts of the field that they yep. knew he was not you know he had not shown proficiency yet yet yeah no, they, they did a, they did a great job and there was there was like three or four fourth downs that yeah. you know we could, yeah. we could have flipped that game but and, it, yeah. on paper it was just another loss and the, yeah. the adjustments weren't great in game from the Harbaugh and the Ravens yeah and oh by the way the uh, the Ravens defense got pushed around by Derrick Henry. They just got run over, like couldn't get off the field. Their response to that, their response to that over the next three seasons, three off seasons was to invest in the defense, invest in the defense some more, invest in the defense again, all at the um, detriment of really addressing the Lamar Jackson contract issue. 
they put they were like all three of those next three seasons i believe the split between offensive and defensive spending was like 60 40 it was completely out of whack with what the rest of the league was doing and you know you saw marshall yonder retire you saw ronnie stanley get into the part of his career where he was you know just kind of befuddled by injuries uh and you saw greg roman's scheme largely not evolve um and so the offense really dried on the vine heading into last season where you know the other you know lamar's contemporaries in my mind in terms of timeline were josh allen and patrick mahomes like that's kind of those three guys kind of came along and took the league by storm at the same time ultimately uh you know and you can't you can't really put joe burrow and hurts in that conversation at all and it was kind of wild that they took so much longer for Lamar to ultimately get fairly compensated for how good of a player he is, you know, top five quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, he was playing, playing on a rookie deal, even as recently as last year uh, and being asked to do it, do it with an offense that was really, really devoid of talent. I personally think Lamar has continued to grow and improve as a passer. Uh, I personally think he came into last season uh, with a specific, uh, you know, kind of physical, she tried to upgrade physically to, uh, you know, avoid some of the injuries and some of the uh, illness, uh, you know, issues that were, um, you know, holding him back as from an availability standpoint. And, you know, I think the depth chart for last year's Ravens offense was Lamar and a bunch of nobodies. And, you know, I guess Mark Andrews is still around. So it's not entirely. Yeah, we, should, we should be nice but, to him. The rest, of, the rest of the guys they were asking him to do it with in the skill position group and the offensive line were just not up to the level of you know providing the support he needed to be an all-pro, an MVP-level player. That said, he went out last year with this group of clowns and went 8-4 and four and had MVP-caliber stats through 12 starts before getting hurt. And uh, then everything kind of became poison in terms of the narrative this with information that people in the organization were putting out there, presumably about how they weren't super excited about his work ethic and he wasn't doing enough to rehabilitate and come back. And he wasn't going to be with them for the playoffs. And he wasn't, he was quitting on the team and like the stuff that was floated around about him was just absolutely toxic. Um, hated reading it as a Lamar Stan and uh, you know, was pretty sympathetic to, him not taking the playoff start for this team last year, considering what they, you know, they had kind of set him up to, you know, to not succeed to the degree that they weren't going to have to pay him what he was worth relative to his contemporaries. And I, it all just, it felt like kind of lousy management as far as an organization goes. And it's kind of given me just a bad taste in my mouth about the Ravens organization in general, short of them ultimately getting a deal done. And if you want to point at Lamar specifically in the fact that he didn't have representation and that was part of the problem and there was like league wide collusion and there was, you know, agent collusion and some of this stories might not have even come from the Ravens. Yeah. There was a lot of cloak and dagger shit going on. I get it, but it still sucked that you had this guy who was pretty yeah. clearly year in, year out top five choice for MVP in the NFL. And he was getting paid much, much less than his contemporaries while operating at the position that put him at, great risk of getting injured so i'm glad that's all settled yeah i'm glad they paid him um i really do want to blame him more because not having an agent i think that did just make the process harder than it needed to be that said i don't want to let the organization off the hook because some like you said some of the stuff they were doing the previous year it felt like this is 
you know, this is strategic. This is trying to get this contract done, which, I mean, if you're trying to do what's best for the overall franchise and stuff, mm-hmm. paying him a little less wouldn't hurt because yeah. if you can still keep him because you can use that money elsewhere. Um, glad it got done. Glad we moved on. Yes, he was very good when he played last year. Um, there were some issues uh, outside of the – honestly, the, if, if it wasn't his injury and just the wide receiver room, the, on paper – Pretty decent team. They lost some of the the highlight spots, and I know Justin Houston isn't like a long term answer for anybody, but that it hurts. It hurts to lose that, and at the same time, I guess I'm glad they finally said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna get receivers for our you know high end quarterback." Like I, I guess I just didn't quite understand what the if it truly was a like, hey. He can't have a good year this year. Like, let's not get any wide receivers. It felt like that. Like, it just, it just <laughs> I don't like, know if that was the. It felt like the, it felt like sure the dumbest like thing. Yeah, just one of the dumbest things I've seen in quite a while. So, I'm I'm happy that we've. I, I'm not sure what Beckham has left in the tank, but he's not that old, and you know he can he can certainly play into Lamar's strengths. Lamar's not this, you know, this perfect deep ball thrower. Like, you, you want to beat people intermediate beat some zones get some separation with some savvy yeah. vets like yeah. i guess you know get beckham get uh yeah. what's the other one aguilar and then uh draft one say flowers nice yeah. nice little pick up there and then maybe bateman's healthy and it's like boom this this wide receiver room jumps from like 30 oof, bears versus ravens last year wide receiver rooms uh versus, versus bears houston was, bears was worse Bears was the worst, I think. Yeah, but well, it, bottom three, bottom five wide receiver room, two, yeah. maybe above average. <laughs> yeah. Um, and okay, so, bringing an offensive coordinator that got. Yeah. I mean, now he has to work just with is, the younger quarterback. Just going to be able to just, just fundamentally, we'll get there in a bit, but just being able to do something different is is exciting. Um, okay. I just got to get, I know this is a brave Ravens preview pod, and I'm not going to belabor this anymore, but I got to get one thing off my chest. I'm I'm glad he got compensated, but the getting the like the path to get here was just completely unnecessary. Like the fact that the owners get the pie piece of the pie that they do for the NFL revenue and not the guys who you most want to watch on a given Sunday is insane. And the idea that you had this guy who was in like like just nonstop entertainment. Like so many of the most watchable regular season games in the last five years have been Lamar Jackson, you know, standout games. And the fact that like the guy who is providing the single most value to this, you know, to this enterprise is getting, you know, unfair compensation is getting treated like this just felt wrong in every single way. And so I'm very glad it got resolved. If he doesn't ultimately live up to the what he they paid him. Uh, you know, we can revisit this in a couple of years, but honestly, like they're paying him for past performance to a degree. And that past performance was some of the most exciting and outstanding NFL that I've watched in my lifetime. So uh, I appreciate it all. I'm glad they got him some new offensive pieces. I'm glad they have a new offensive coordinator in there. I will always root for their success outside of my own betting interests because uh, in general, the entertainment he's brought to me as an NFL fan has been, um, you know, second to, Maybe only Pat Mahomes over the last, uh, you know, handful of years. Um, so, love Lamar. Love the Ravens for finally getting this done. But critical of the old overall system, which just really didn't, did not, you know, pe- this was this is like the opposite of the Jalen Hurts feelings, right? Like Jalen Hurts proved he could do it last year, and they paid him, and we just all move him. on. Like that, <clears throat> yeah. like thank, like thank you, 
Like, I'm, like thank with. you for not making this like a, he has to take a step backwards this year because last year was so good. And now we're going to have a whole big fight about what he's actually worth. Like I, I, that's not part of the fun of being an NFL fan, not at all. And so I'm, I'm very glad that, <laughs> that we got that resolved and it's not going to be another one of these. Uh, the Ravens should have been cheap assholes. They should have just given him a dollar more than Josh Allen when he signed his contract and we all could have moved on. Um, <clears throat> Also still funny that they were still investing in the defense as recently as last year, where they used their draft picks last year on defense and then went and got and, Pat, and then yeah. went and got uh, Roquan, Roquan <laughs> which which truthfully, yes. like the Roquans for, great, for what they move. paid. Yes. I know, but what, yeah, for what they paid, the Roquan Smith move made absolute sense for both teams. Yeah. And will pay dividends. Still already yeah. did, still will. But yeah, I, th- I think the biggest the biggest moves were, you know, just going getting monk and you hit that spot where we weren't seeing the you know the unique uh offense uh i don't know what you want to call it imaginative stuff from greg roman and he's you know he's moved on and you bring in a guy who's done it a bunch of different ways you know obviously a bunch of different stops in a very different types of offense but we've seen success basically wherever he's gone and i'm kind of excited to see what they put together especially with some of the stuff you know camp bullshit you gotta you gotta put the camp stuff kind of you know that like somebody somebody on uh the packers said jordan love what was it doubt what do you think of him first round hall of famer you know like there's a lot of just, there's a lot, yeah there's that a lot of just great. goofing around that there's a lot great. of hyperbole there's a lot of like oh my god this is this is gonna be you know you're not you haven't seen anything like this before but when you bring in all these other these new wide receivers to a room that really didn't have much and you bring in you know the architect of a very fun offense the last couple of years obviously doing it a completely different way with about the with the completely different quarterback but i'm i'm kind of buying into like i'm excited i would not be surprised if we saw you know a lot more that like god where was it i read this and again everything everything just leads back to the fact of here's the guys they were trotting out there to start a wide receiver that's the biggest story outside of lamar missing time was this they were the only offense that didn't use 11 personnel as their number one group out of you know one one of 32 (laughs) so which is you know again goes back to the wide receiver things they threw 44 percent of their targets to tight ends no other offense in the (laughs) league was above 40 33 and that was kansas city which shouldn't really count because that tight end is a god te slash wr yeah Yeah. they used i mean they used pistol a lot so they can do more mesh stuff it's it's and they, they still will they'll still use pistol plenty like lamar jackson wants to work out a pistol wants to work out a shotgun because then you can take that ball and suddenly you're just moving straight forward instead of having to change direction you can uh you can do a lot yeah. of stuff with the run there too but it's it's just like all these stats you know should, it's from the football outsiders almanac there are some of those i just read like everything i read is like oh because you didn't have wide receivers. Oh, because the wide receivers <laughs> suck. Oh, like, oh, what else were oh. you going to do? Yeah, oh, why would you run 11 personnel when you don't know the name of the guy yeah. who's your, your wide receiver? Yeah. Um, but so th- that's where I am hopeful things are fixed. Um, offseason grades, because you got the deal mm-hmm. done, you got wide receivers, and you had a new OC, and you retained what I believe to be is a good DC because those numbers uh they jive pretty well as far as what they had to put up with who they put on the field and what they could do 
um, from a coverage standpoint. So I'm kind of sold on him and everything I've read was pretty high on him as well. And it also basically just said like, he's, he's really good at, you know, the, what's working in today's NFL is disguising coverages as pressure, disguising pressure as coverage, causing, you know, offenses to run the wrong into the wrong part of your defense and, and moving a lot of pieces around. So I think you might have the whole package put together because if you have your coaching staff figured out, especially down to the coordinator level and MVP candidate quarterback, you basically just have to be middle of the pack defense and have some, somebody to throw it to. Yeah. I agree with all that. (laughs) So, so the defensive coordinator point is pretty, it's worth kind of digging in on a little, um, they started off the season last year and couldn't hold a lead to save their lives. No. Uh, I'm going to go back and look at some of the other teams that notably blew leads and see if there was also inexperienced defensive coordinators involved in that. Cause that there might be something there. There may be a there there. I'm not sure. Um, but by the end of the year, this defense was very, very good. Some of that was the addition of Roquan Smith specifically, but a lot of that was, I thought, just uh, McDonald kind of learning on the job and being better at the end than he was at the beginning. Um, I don't know that Mike McDonald is going to be a hot name in coaching hiring circles necessarily, but he certainly was. like 35, man. They needed a breath of fresh air. Okay. They needed a breath of fresh air from the Wink Martindale system that was, you know, somewhat predictable. They needed some tendency breakers, and McDonald certainly brought that last year. Um, and, uh, you know, it, they may have finally hit on a draft pick at long last. Um, the Lamar Jackson success story has really covered up what has been a very painful uh, record of drafting going back to his draft outside of his pick. Um, they have not been able to backfill with talent and draft and development, even though they have a very good coaching staff. I don't think anyone would argue that John Harbaugh is a top five coach in the NFL, just in terms of ability to perform the CEO role of, of a professional franchise, draft and develop, get your players ready on game day, make good decisions in game. Like he checks every single box. Um, But for whatever reason, they have not done the talent evaluation part correctly because they have swung and missed on a lot of important pieces. And because of that is why they've had to backfill with uh, free agency on the defensive side of the ball year in, year out. Now this year they let, like I would say the theme of um, the off season transactions for them was out with the old (laughs) Uh, a lot of the older guys that were pretty, you know, mainstays on this uh, defensive side of the ball, Kalei Campbell, Marcus Peters, Jason Pierre-Paul, I know he wasn't there for very long, um, Chuck Clark, uh, you know, this, that they had a lot of, Justin Houston, um, they had a lot of guys who, you know, performed a pretty meaningful, uh, you know, you know, pretty meaningful roles in the defense, but we're getting old and we're not worth their compensation you know, at their price point, they're all gone. And it's now elevate the young guys and they better be able to develop these young guys because there's a lot of names on this depth chart that do not have a, you know, a strong track record of success at the NFL level, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. However, I do believe in Roquan Smith being able to kind of lift the boat, uh, you know, being he, him alone being the, uh, the tide that ri- raises the whole boat for this defense to at least league average, if not the top 12, um, overall, I, well, and, and that's you know, too, like you saw not only him, but some of the younger players, some of the inexperienced players, they drafted the Notre Dame safety and he looked very bad. Like he yeah, was, Kyle you know, I, I, th- I bet if you went back and looked at like a time stamped for six weeks, his safety grades were really, but they brought in when they brought in Roquan, that definitely did change how McDonald was able to use a few of those guys 
Yeah. And I think he did. Yeah. Probably you saw his growth and you saw a, a big change in how the defense played after they got Roquan. And yeah, if that can continue up, which the, the worry is, and I, I'd like to see where you have their pass rushing grades because it's not good. They, there's like the defense can be okay without a dominating edge rusher. You can have a middle of the pack or above average defense, but it's harder. It's a lot harder because, again, you're asking some secondary pieces that maybe aren't uh, experienced or good to do a lot when you don't have a strong pass rush. So if some of these names that are up front now that we haven't seen a lot of, whether it's just because they haven't been called into action or they're young, if one of those guys is able to step up a little and backfill Justin Houston, then you have pretty good upside in this defense, but that's hard to say like, Oh yeah. Uh, the guy with all the O's. Odafiola. Like, Odafiola, yeah. Uh, are you just, are you just suddenly going to take a big step forward because he's not there? Uh, Justin Houston. And like, I don't know. The pad, the pass rush is worrisome, obviously. So I'm not, I'm not super bullish on like this defense being good. Good. I think if what we saw was truly growth from McDonald and the addition of some of the pieces, and now he gets a full camp again to keep and build on that vision. It's above average. So okay. the the upside here is you know, top 12 defense, top five offense. So what do we, why are we yeah. doing him second, second on a, or a first on a Wednesday? <laughs> Good, fair question. Uh, okay. So the, I agree with all your takes basically. Um, there are still some very fragile parts of this unit overall. Um, I agree also, like just fra- just factually getting the deal done to keep Lamar and not like literally setting your franchise back five years was yeah, enough to, was enough to get, put you in A minus B plus territory. And then I'm fine with the guys you let walk. I'm, I'm not super like thrilled with the guys you brought in. Um, outside of the investments you made at the wide receiver position. And I still have some questions still about those guys, if we're being honest. Um, but overall, I, I'm fine giving you an A-. minus. Um, I have, you have the number one linebacking group in my by my ratings in the NFL, um, largely because of Roquan Smith. Uh, your pass rush, however, is 29th in the NFL. All of these guys are unproven entities. Um, but you're, you know, my my numbers are biased by the fact that don't have a ton of tape, don't have a ton of reason to believe these guys are good and they could entirely uh, produce, um, you know, above replacement level value over the balance of the season and get them into the middle of the pack. Um, Your DBs are good. Marlon Humphrey, solid grade on Marlon Humphrey. He's one of the better defensive backs in the league. Uh, And I thought at times last year, like this guy doesn't have the speed to hang with these super, you know, the Jamar Chases of the world anymore. He's getting beat up by digs and chase. Like if you have speed, you can beat this defense. He he held his own throughout the last half of the season, and in fact, the Ravens' defense overall uh, figured out a couple things about the Bengals, including a way to hold that team to 17 points in the uh, uh, playoff game, and with seven seven of the oh sorry 24 points in the playoff game, with uh, seven of those coming from a fumble six at the goal yeah. line, which was probably one of the wildest ways to end your season. Um, really? Good point here from Mr. McDonald. Um, if the offense does improve like we think it could be a great over team, 
lack of a pass rush can yeah. keep other teams in the game. Yeah, but like I said, I don't see the defense becoming elite any anytime soon. And yeah, if if you lack a pass rush and a team is in comeback mode and you cannot create pressures, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be an issue for keeping these leads, which is annoying since that was something that bit them obviously early in the season last year, and then we didn't get to see the true second half of the season. Well, with the Lamar injury, so yep. Uh, what's what's your uh, what's your grade then on the moves? Uh, I give him an A minus. Um, you come into the season with the 13th best defense in the NFL, second best in your division. You come into this uh, season with the 14th best offense in the NFL, third best in your division. But I again, I think that's I'm holding you back a bit because I have some questions about some of the skill position players. Um, I don't know. I don't. I realistically, I don't know what Odell Beckham Jr. has left. Uh, there's been smart people connected to the organization who have said that by mid to end of the season, Zay Flowers is going to be wide receiver one here. Um, like we could get to a place where even with the new OC, you know, it's same as it always is in Baltimore where we're like Lamar to Mark Jackson, Lamar to Mark, and Mark Andrews, Lamar to Mark Andrews, Lamar on his own, Lamar, you know, just putting up the highlight plays and carrying things like that. That's entirely plausible in my mind. Um, but I am excited to see what Zay Flowers can bring. He looks decent. Uh, Rashad Bateman obviously did not get anywhere near enough time with the uh, starting unit to be a guy that you expect to step forward, but who the hell knows? I know Del Beckham Jr. Um, you know, you're removed from football. You're plus removed from football. Uh, fingers crossed he can stay and contribute, but you know, I don't know that I love trying to feature him as wide receiver one anymore. Uh, that said, it still is an upgrade. You can't really deny that. Um, depth fine too. Yeah. Devin Duvernay. I don't mind him as your best wide receiver of the reserves is the problem is when he's your wide receiver one. Yeah. Um, when he was your one and yeah. your two. And yeah. Bate, Bateman was very good. Um, you know, there was a couple of Minnesota receivers that had some good years, a couple of years back. One went down to Tampa, I believe. And Bateman was like a legit problem in the big 10. It just hasn't been healthy. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Cause he got two guys with uh, some young receivers. Cause he's still young with him and flowers. Dude, Was he the one that just absolutely flamed the organizational medical staff? You remember this? God, that sounds right. Remember when the team report cards came out? I feel like yeah, I was like kind of shocked and or and or like it was a little bit of confirmation. Oh, things aren't exactly all right in that organization once you get away from like the good coaching. Um, but yeah, I feel like Bateman just absolutely savaged the uh, uh, the medical staff in Baltimore. But uh, who knows what the truth is? The um, lot of upside. Uh, for this offense overall, the Todd Munkin move, I'm excited for. Let's talk about Todd Munkin for a second. Yeah, before just individual. kind of a um, Mon- okay. Munkin. If you you went out, you you signed, resend Lamar. You got Munkin. You got some wide receivers. That's an auto A. Good job, guys. Mm, uh, Todd Munkin has yet to really hit the ball out of the park at the NFL level, for what it's worth. We we're making a joke off air. You and I could have schemed the Georgia offense to something like 28 points against the TCU Horned Frogs in the championship yeah. game. Once I uh, saw the first run play, I'd just been like, let's just keep yeah. doing that. And so, like, my general takeaway was people who are just excited about the job Munkin did at Georgia, um, like, let's look, let's dig a little deeper. Let's look back at his, what was his last NFL gig? Do you remember what his last NFL gig was? He was the OC Cleveland under Freddie Kitchens. You remember yeah. when Freddie Kitchens got the keys? I know, and, that's why I, I actually I, I dug in a little on Munkin today. Okay. And it's like, man, how much 
how much stock am I able to put into this Freddy Kitchen era? Like, I just looked <laughs> at it, and, like, shit, shit was kind of a mess. So, well, I, so this is what I remember. I remember he effectively, like, kind of quit on the job because Kitchens was like, he realized he was so beleaguered as a head coach that he, like, took over play calling duties. And Elkin was like, what did you hire me for, man? <laughs> like, you really want you want me to put to get a game plan and you're just going to throw it all out and do whatever the fuck you want? Fine. Like, I, it felt like there was a, air, a whiff of that to his one year in Cleveland. So I'm willing to kind of completely throw that one out the window. The, uh, the Tampa years are interesting, though, because he clearly took the passing offense centered around Jameis Winston and made them better every year. The three years he was there, those guys marched. Better, 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 bang. And I think that actually, when he left Tampa, I think it must have been a regime change that he walked out the door and went to Cleveland. Like, I remember being excited for him. So that, that last Tampa year was yeah. bad. That was that was a Fitzpatrick year. Right? Okay. It was just a, um, so it was Dirt Cutter. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't fun. I don't think it was fun. I, I believe that was his last year. So 2018 yeah, was his last year there, and in that year, there yeah, they were five and eleven. Uh, in terms of passing offense, they were number one in the NFL in passing yards, number three in passing touchdowns, number well, two in uh, a lot. number two in net yards per attempt. They yeah, like, I think I think there was a regime change, but yeah, I, I don't think yeah, but I don't think you can realistically criticize what Munkin was doing. I and this is all no, that, that wait, was the move from far back in the memory. From Cutter to Arians. Yeah. Okay. So Bruce okay. Arians came in, and I, I think it was kind of just house cleaning that you brought in Leftwich to be coordinator at that point. That's when you brought in Todd Bowles. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So I, I, they, I guess ultimately, like Munkin, he definitely has never had these, you know, a piece like like uh, Lamar Jackson to work with. So uh, very, very excited to see what he ultimately brings to the table here. I'm expecting something a little bit aggressive from him, considering where Lamar Jackson has been able to thrive with his downfield pass, particularly last year early on. Like that's exciting to pair with whatever else they can generate offensively, but it's going to be, there's going to be some tendency breakers. There's going to be some surprise. Uh, and I think early in the season, this offense is going to be able to take, you know, to, to get, comfortably into the uh you know high 20s low 30s if not better depending on game state um but they are probably an, an early in the season at least an overish team um because of the pass rush question mark um let's look at the schedule and figure out which games we're going to play the over in because it's not going to be week one against the texans i can tell you that much that total looks exactly right to me Side yeah, looks right Matt to was me asleep. producer dan is off he's on his honeymoon guys so Ooh. Matt is running things. He's more than look at that. look how fast it came up though. He's yeah, fully it's really good. Ready to yeah, go. that was really good. Um, there's there's a bunch of wins here, and it's because they're a good team, and it's it's not actually that tough of a schedule. You still do have to play your divisional foes, and you do get uh, San Francisco and Cincy, but no KC, um, no Buffalo. You do get the really kind of Maybe one of the most fucked things as far as schedules go is the back-to-back-to-back with the back-to-back-to-back being across the ocean. (laughs) That's kind of nasty. And I get the... Yeah, you're right. Cleveland and Pittsburgh aren't... So we're not talking miles for Cleveland and Pittsburgh, but there still is the pain in the ass of like living somewhere else, traveling to that city, setting up, not getting to work out in your own facility. Like traveling is a negative no matter how you how good you are at it but not not playing at home for those three weeks and then the third one being uh, an international game at tennessee 
which at least one of your road games isn't a true road game if you want to look a little silver lining. But man, I would be if I'm you know if I'm Baltimore, I'm so much more worried about the first two games and the third ones. Like yeah, I have absolutely. a bad feeling. I have a bad feeling that they just <laughs> there's a minor no show for this Tennessee game, and maybe it's not to the tune of losing, but if they're a good team and suddenly they're favored by a touchdown there. I'm tempted to pre-plan on looking at Tennessee there. And my, no, my bad my, motivational spot. No, my uh, my bad my bad vibes are ten twenty two versus Detroit. Coming off that three three, uh, coming off yeah, three, not, three, not having the buy then too. Coming off three with the widowmaker of international travel, three in a row on the road. Now you're at home with Detroit. By the way, your pass rush is up against an elite offensive line, so you're not generating pressure. <laughs> like that's going to be a first to 40 wins kind of game. I'm excited about playing an over that's there. A, that's a fun one. I'm yeah, excited. Really the Tennessee is. game is going to be terrible. <laughs> it could be. Um, okay. At least it's uh, at, eight, it's at, you know, it's at 8 a.m. for me. It's yeah. Right away, I get up in the morning, watch. Football. I think the schedule ultimately though, is well sequenced for them to get off to a good start. First half of the year, eight and four again to start the season for me, looks entirely plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, the bellwether game, which we're now integrating to every single schedule analysis that we decided yeah, last pod. One. The bellwether game for me is actually going to be a bellwether half. It's going to be the second half of Cincy versus Baltimore. I want to know what Lou Anaruma decides to do to adjust to your offense at halftime of that game. Because if he comes out with adjustments and and gives you a you know a, a difficult time, Cincinnati's coming back on you. Your pass rush, your pass defense, not good enough to keep Cincinnati out of comeback mode, assuming that there is a, a healthy Joe Burrow on the field. I was just going to say, like, God willing, and the creek don't rise, that's a really good game. There's also a possibility that nothing Lou Anarumo can do Will to matter save what point, Trevor yeah. Simeon has done to that first half. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Um, let's assume that Joe Burrow, ultimately, this is a bunch of hot air. And but, he I is, mean, you know, no, but I mean, go. Drew. We don't know. At, I mean, there is, the, there is the bad travel stretch, but they're not against, you know, two of them are divisional. One of them is, you know, theoretically the worst team in your division. But if that Cincinnati game is Trevor Simeon, I mean, what's your, what's your flip-flop there? Probably. Uh, that's Baltimore, Baltimore minus, minus two three. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably a six. So suddenly like if you can handle that road trip and you're last undefeated, you're heading into that second, second Cincy game, eight and one, nine, like there's, there's something uh, there's something about the beginning of the schedule that's pretty easy, and then if you coupled it with the Trevor Simeon game, this is, uh, comeback mode for these birds is suddenly very plausible this year. I mean, it is even with that that Cincy game is winnable no matter what. Yeah, it's a, it's a divisional you play those, game. You play them tough. Yeah. Like we joke about that. All these all these divisional games are set at a field goal or less. It's just how it works in this division all the time. Yes, I would agree with you. Um, the did you cover versus Cincy? You beat them outright, nineteen seventeen last year, mm-hmm. and then you the game. You know, get week eighteen was a throwaway, and then you did not. You covered the close probably because that thing got steamed once Lamar was confirmed out. But um, yeah, you got compet- Your defense was very competitive against Cincinnati this last season, which was a stark difference from the previous season where your defense got abused. 
Um, I will say that the uh, it is it is unusual schedule quirk for a team to have all three of their divisional road games out of the way by week five. Finito. Yeah. <laughs> you are you are no longer traveling in division on the road. You know, like the the ones that you kind of maybe double circle on your calendar, like we better freaking show up that day. Like, you know, you got them all out of the way. Early. They're all out of the game. <laughs> yeah, they're all out of the game. And, and if you've um, put together an offense and, they have, you know, teams haven't had time to properly adjust to this new look offense. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have that against all these divisional foes. Get rid of these road games. If you yeah. go two out of two and two out of three on the road, in your division, and then obviously take care of business with Houston, Indy, Tenney, Arizona, some of these easier teams. God, this team can get off to such a good start. Yeah, there's so many unknowns with the pass rush and yeah. just everything on the offense in general. But I'm. It's crazy how rosy we are on all four teams. We just, <laughs> well, we're giving we're giving all these teams let's, like twelve hundred. Uh, let's uh, let's 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 hold our uh, hold our breath. Yeah, for a second on no. that. Um, okay. So the Tennessee game, which you brought up, which is in London, um, that's probably one of the better underlooks on their schedule. Uh, your pass rush is all of a sudden going to look good against that O line. Oh my god! And uh, Tennessee is a passing funnel. They're going to have the answers for your run game. And oh, by the way, Mike Vrabel has been known to coordinate a good defense <laughs> against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Um, so it is. Uh, that's an interesting, just general game. And I, I agree with you that coming off the physicality of a pit game on the road, like yuck, 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 yuck. That's that's that is a that you're right. That's a just a dreadful situational spot. Um, that game feels like 20 to 17 to me. And hopefully there's enough high scoring contests early in their season here that, uh, uh, you know, that that one opens up in the 45, 47 range. We'll see um, Baltimore, Detroit then would be a beautiful comeback to the over. Like I'm already, I've already kind of decided I'm going to bet Baltimore under week six, <laughs> Baltimore over week seven, <laughs> almost independent of price, just because of the way the Caesar sequenced. Um, love getting Arizona before you get the Kyle Murray back. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't have to travel out to Seattle, whereas both, I think both Cleveland and Pittsburgh had to make trips to Seattle. Um, you do have to go out to LA for the Chargers, but not the Rams. Uh, you do have to go to San Francisco. You didn't ask to stack your at Arizona at uh, Chargers or at San Francisco. So unfortunately, for whatever reason, you didn't want the double trip. Um, forget what we were calling that one, but uh, the, uh, the, the mini camp. Yeah, the the mini camp uh, trip. You know, a, no, a week 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 away week away to get your uh, your guys on the right page and avoid the extra fatigue of flying. Um, Really good, really, uh, again, like an a- AFC schedule, third in a row, that is pretty favorable. <laughs> and I think double-digit wins is expected. I think an injury to Lamar Jackson probably is the only thing that keeps me from feeling like 10 is their floor. Um, and even the injury to Lamar Jackson, they've been able to backfill well enough to keep their head above water. So it's tough to really say that these guys aren't an all over type of bet. Um, and you know, the divisional games, which are all coin flips are going to determine this between the, uh, you know, these relatively evenly matched teams, I think. Yeah, it's maybe the most fun division. This one is very fun. 
God, um, the NFC North is fun for all the wrong reasons. We get them yeah, standalone yeah. against Tennessee, NFC but East. only f- their four primetime games are all late. That's weird. For sure. Let's, uh, let's take a look at them betting odds. Oh, excited for, oh, I, I'm, I'm excited for every one of these Ravens games. I'm going to bet, watch and bet every one of them. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. 18 to 1 to win the Super Bowl within the range of outcomes in my mind. 9 to 1 to win the AFC within the range of outcomes. This team is going to probably get off to a winning start um, based on two of their first three games against the likes of CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson. So we are probably going to get to mid season, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and these numbers are going to be shorter. Do you agree? Yeah. Uh, it is an easy first half of the schedule, especially if they get things done. I mean, the, the position you put yourself in just from, a, you know, if you run the numbers and look at the remaining win probabilities and what you've done against your division already, if you get off a good start against the division as well, just everything goes up by so much because it's, you know, the, the probability of getting a one, two, three seed, having some home games, getting a and you know, maybe you've gotten these stinkers out of the way a little. It's not like Lamar Jackson's new to the playoffs. So that was exactly where I was going to go. Did you know that not, I was going to yeah. ask you that? It's not, you know, yeah, I did not, but I was going to say it's, it's one of those things. When we talk about sentiment, it's not going to take long for people to, um, cause the most likely way this team is good is the offense churns and Lamar is good. So if it was like, hey, the defense took a big step forward and the offense is kind of boring, but they're winning close games, it's one thing. doesn't seem likely. Like what seems likely for this team to be good and good off the bat is the offense to really take off. And it's not going to take long for everybody to just be – oh, yeah, I remember this. This is what Lamar does. Like, oh, we're all buyers now. Everyone loves the Ravens. And yeah. Suddenly they're 8-1 eight, eight to one to win the Super Bowl. So I think it is if you like Lamar MVP, if you like Super Bowl, if you like AFC, if you like AFC North – um, I don't love high win totals. It's so hard to hit those. Like there's just so yeah. much more downside to lose seven games, oh, shit, but half, uh, right? any of those, I think, yeah. uh, yeah, I think you want to, you want to take advantage of those now and then, yeah, good job to the Phillies. Um, as far as winning the trade deadline, what was that? His second start. And he goes and throws a no hitter. <laughs> um, he's going to bring it up. On the, I don't know what, what, what I can't even imagine what sport you're talking about. Um, all right. The, cricket. Uh, the uh, cricket. Oh, cool. The, uh, the key question for me is, are the playoff stinkers out of the way? Is Lamar, does Lamar have a Peyton Manning monkey on his back situation going here? Oh, where, cause there's pretty clearly some signal now. They won in Tennessee thanks to Lamar's performance the second time around, right? Coming in as the wild card. And they went into Buffalo very live. And in fact, if Lamar doesn't make the critical mistake in that Bills game at the goal line and just runs it in instead of trying to force it and throws the pick to whoever, Micah Hyatt or Jordan Poyer, I don't remember. One of the safeties picked him, takes it to the house. Like that was the fourth quarter of a one, like a one score game. Like, they could won, they could very well have won, and then they're in the AFC Championship game instead of the Bills that year. Um, they've been close, but I am still nervous enough about what Lamar looks like in playoff setting to get too squirrely with eighteen to one 
or nine to one for Super Bowl or AFC, respectively, considering how challenging the road is going to be if they do not get the home game. If I we had to talking, take anything yeah. that was yeah, any if I had to take any double digit price bet on the Ravens, it'd probably just be Lamar to do it again, like another MVP. Oh, a regular, you want a regular, you want regular season exposure. Yeah, I want if I want regular, yeah. like I would take I would take some AFC North, and then I would take a smaller bet on Lamar MVP because I think there's some still. Okay. It's like fifteen, like okay. he's he's enough to get into the discussion and let you maybe work on it later if you need to come back on the other side if it turns into a two man race down the stretch. So yeah, I don't uh, I don't hate that one at all. Yeah, because like like part of my exception to these prices are. We talked about Cleveland Monday, and they were double the price for Super Bowl and AFC. Like, mm-hmm. actually double, right? It was like 30-something 30 and 18, right? And I don't think that it's twice as likely that the Ravens win the AFC North than the Browns. So, like, the, the distribution of Ravens to be in the mix for the playoffs is there. They're, it's very high for me. Like, something really has to go wrong for this team not to be in the uh, among the seven that have a playoff spot. But it's pretty heavily biased for me that they're a wild card team just because the division is so competitive. Is that is that checking out? Yeah, I guess. What's the angle? What's the bet then? Regular season only. <laughs> I'm just trying to say, like, I yeah, I'm just trying to say, my game. yeah. I mean, and even and even then, like, Ravens winning three games in a row on the road in the playoffs with against the likes of the Bills and the Chiefs and whoever. Bengals. That's that's Dolphins. tough. It's tough. It's tough. And then yeah, Showtime has a good question. What about offensive player of the year? Great question by Showtime. Okay. I think. Man, I really, I, I, I don't have hot hot takes, but I think if Tua plays seventeen games, I don't understand how Tyreek doesn't have like two thousand yards if he's healthy too. Like, I, I, the price just isn't there for me to get excited about it. But Tyreek, Offensive Player of the Year, it just it seems like a super hard banger because I think he would have had some, he, he had sick numbers. He had to play with some pretty shitty quarterback play for chunks of the season. And we get to see year two. So I like, I think there's a stopper just at the front of the pack there, but uh, depending on the number, that's not a bad look. I, uh, uh, he does, if he does one of those years where it's like, Hey shit, Mahomes went 16 and one. It's like, how do and you know, 5,500 yards. How do you not just give him the award again? And then, you know, with Lamar sitting there with like 3,800 yards and a thousand on the ground and 30 touchdowns, we're like, well, now we're going to ignore the wide receivers for a year and we're going to give the, you know, the, the miscongeniality MVP, goes to, <laughs> you know, uh, some freakish numbers. But at the same time, you get, you get a lot of good quarterbacks ahead of you. So I'd, I'd need a big price in either. And that's another one, too, where if they're successful off the bat, it's not like the numbers are going down. Right. It's not going to be. Oh, then this is this is on the back of running and defense. I do think that you have time to make a decision about offensive player of the year if you want to play a quarterback, because the market still is treating it to a degree like best non-quarterback, and I don't think that's correct. I think the quarterbacks are super duper live. After kind of giving this very careful mm-hmm. thought, I think they're very live. The 
and actually I, even saying that I think you can wait and even saying that, that uh, you know, you know, everything we've talked about, I played uh, a quarterback for offensive player of the year today and it was not Lamar. It's interesting. I have to think about that. Was it Herbert? No, not Herbert. I just either. wonder what his number is. Herbert's number like is giant. A, it's giant. Uh, I feel like he's going to have a gigantic statistic here, but still just end up like not. Yeah, Herbert's number is like in the 50 to 1 range. Well, that's where I'm wondering if he took a big number on somebody that has like the 5,500 yard season in their arm. Mm, mm. You know, because no, it, I, it would have to, it would, yeah. it would. It would take a good statistical season on what would be very much perceived as a really good offense. Yeah. So I gave it some thought and it was in, I was almost in the same mindset you were off the top when you were like, you know, what he did in 2019 isn't all that crazy anymore. We saw Hertz do something similar last oh, year. So hurts. it's Hertz. And the yeah. reason here's, Check. here was my rationale. Cause I was, What's get, the price? I was getting my, uh, 25 to one. There's some actually there's some 30 there's some 30 to ones out there. So yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's a yeah. good number. That's yeah, a it's a good number. number. So here is the rationale, you ready? Uh I was getting myself lathered up to play Lamar offense player of the year cuz I was like this is like this is real. Like this is this could happen. Like, you know, looking at everything I know, yeah, this could happen. And then I was like, well, if quarterbacks are alive, who else do I need to take a close look at? And I was like, well, Hurts basically identical potential profile, you know, from a stat standpoint and then i was like oh shit like the baltimore defense is better than philly by my numbers maybe and we years. we got excited about obj and like aguilar they have aj yes, Smith. it's accurate it's just as good as mark andrews and and uh you know miles sanders is the touchdown vulture is gone um jalen hurts is going to have to win games by scoring 30, I think, this year, right? Like, if you, like Jalen Hurts' numbers last year are bananas. He had, like, 3,000 yards passing, 10 touchdowns rushing, and they had 20-point leads thir- in the I second quarter of every freaking game. <laughs> they, I think he had 13 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, it was just crazy. That's a real, like, there's, there's so many running ridiculous. backs in the league that'd be like, fuck, yeah. 13 yeah. touchdowns, I'd be getting paid. And, oh, by the way, uh, they had like double digit leads in the first half of games often. Game. So they shut him down. <laughs> like, the they, like they shut him down con- consistently. And uh, I think this year they're not going to be afforded that opportunity. You're saying the defense actually held him back. Yes, I do. I think his statistical profile, I think his statistical profile can go up more than Lamar's can from what we saw. No, I, I, his, I mean, I, yeah. made, I made the case when I yeah. said Lamar's season <laughs> yeah. wasn't as magical anymore because we've had yes. people come yeah. close to doing it. And, and I, I referenced Hurts Jalen Hurts' season yeah. last year. Yeah. And to your point, a, a good addition to that is that he didn't have to do a lot offensively in the second half of like six or seven games. Didn't even play the whole, you know, sat out a couple late when, you know, they had things, at least the playoffs and the division were sewn up. So they... Oof. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced. If I yeah. find a thirty, if I find a thirty, I'll add a small amount. So let's uh, we're, we're getting pretty close to an hour here. Let's tie it up okay. on the Ravens with their okay. range of outcomes and kind of what you want to bet. Super Bowl's possible, but not at price. A bet for me. I think there's some twenties. Um, I might look. Yeah, honestly, I think if I think rather than I think if you want to if you want to prey on upside, most wins. 
this team's the schedule. They don't have to play KC. They're not playing most Buffalo. Wins, most points. Most wins, most points. Yeah. I mean, I, I they like that's like the most points thing. Actually, I don't even know if it's super live because they can win some of these games with defense, right? Like there are a couple of these games they might be able to just put this thing away on the ground with J.K. Dobbins and company, right? Like that's possible. Um, they got some bad. They're playing some bad teams. <laughs> like there's some bad games on their schedule that they should win comfortably and uh, not need to score into the 30s. Uh, okay, so range of outcomes I think is is you know I think most likely outcome is wild card, final four in the AFC, and that's probably it. Um, but there's upside for winning the division, having a home game, getting to an AFC championship game. Um, but the nerve, the you know the the the, the Playoff success, just it's killing me that that we haven't seen it, you know, haven't seen more progress to this point uh, in terms of playoff progression and um, nervous that it's because Lamar gets nervous, <laughs> which uh, may sound insane once we get to the end of the season. But uh, it's enough of a small factor to keep me from going bananas there. Um, so, yeah, my, my bet ended up being Jalen Hurts, too. You, t- you kind of talked me into one. My, my, my Ravens <laughs> bet was Jalen Hurts. Thirty or better. Um, yeah, yeah. You no, know, I, I, there'll be there'll be some spots where I back them. Where you know, uh, like you said with Tennessee, when when their bad pass rush, their bad up front play isn't going to be you know a huge weakness. I'm fine backing them in a spot yeah. where hey, this defense actually has a shot today. Yeah. And if the offense is playing well, that's a that's a definition of that's how you cover by you know 10 points yeah uh you have a good enough ground game to get potentially get the put away a lead but your pass rush is sketch so any kind of you know any on your in against your you know your viable opponents it's an over you know against good offenses it's an over against good offensive lines it's an over against bad offensive lines it's an under against bad teams you're an under against uh uh, you know, teams that I think you're rushing attack matches up well against. I'm fine laying small points. Um, yeah, comeback mode, not an issue for me this year with this wide receiving core. Teams coming back on you. It's good. There may be some halftime bets where we bet against these guys in the primetime games later in the season. Yeah, you can't pass rush and that secondary doesn't <laughs> tighten up in a hurry. Yeah. Could be interesting so. second half overs if the if the offense is good and they yeah. come out to lead. Like the Ravens might be a second half over team. Yeah. So let's uh all, all I wish for the Ravens in twenty twenty three health and well being and wealth and yeah and, and I think the rest will take care of itself. Lamar is gonna perform and cool. uh and you know, anything but the discourse of him getting overpaid. I don't want to go there. I've died like the, the the people that are anti Lamar are just so fucking obnoxious. I just don't want them to have a any kind of <laughs> any kind of seat at the table this year. I uh, I was gonna close with like a crab cake pun or whatever, but since you're saying that you can't stop, can't stop, won't stop, is put a we're gonna put a natty bow on it. Oh, wow, uh, look at you. It's like Baltimore thing. Oh, look at you. I've never had one. Never had one. Oh, well, it's not worth never it. <laughs> They're not very good. <laughs> no, but I'm guessing it's just like every other regional lager. I like crab cakes in football, too. can't believe we didn't bring up crab cakes in football. On crab the Baltimore cakes sound so good. Like, I'd kill for some. We don't get good crab cakes here in Minnesota. Just you know where they do have those? 
North Carolina. North Carolina raise up. Yeah. Yeah, Plenty of good ones. He'll be down there next week, I guess, right? Uh, um, yeah. All right. Next, just as a quick mention, if you're listening to this, obviously there's a Cincinnati pod that'll come out tomorrow. If you're watching it, we're going to do it in like five seconds. But uh, <laughs> next week, yeah, we pre-recorded a few. And I think at the beginning of everyone, we say like, hey, we recorded this two weeks ago, so don't kill us if like this player got hurt. Um, I, I was worried we're going to have something that comes off like really fucked up. But no one's going to top Coward after the other <laughs> I guess I'm not so worried anymore. He took all the shine off that. So let's call it. Let's sit for a second and go to Cincy.